Hello, everyone, and welcome to another recap race analysis here on the Cycling Dane Extra Channel or on the Cycling Dane podcast, if you're listening there. Today, it is a special one. It is the world road race in the men's elite category. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Krug himself, Ewan Wilson. And I mean, this was uh, the road race in Glasgow and Ewan, what a race. But yeah, what exactly happened? It was a fantastic race, but let's just rewind to the beginning of the day. The 271 kilometer long course began in a Scottish capital of Edinburgh. The race began pretty sort of calmly. I may say calmly. It was like Belgium really controlling things. Australia really invested in it early on as well. There was an early breakaway that gained around about 10 minutes. Very typical World Championships breakaway, which included some World Tour riders, notably Matt Dinham and Kevin Vermark. At about 160k to go, there was an incident, there was a protest where some anti-fossil fuel activists, I think, cemented themselves to the road or glued themselves. That meant the race was stopped for about 30-40 minutes, uh, which was a pretty strange scenario. The race then restarted, and the racing was on from the restart. And, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to condense down the following 150 kilometers, because it was just a lot of attacks, a lot of attacks, a lot of, like, full-on racing. At, like, 100 kilometers to go, we saw Remco 8 in a pull attack, and at that point, it was, like, chaos. Every favorite was pretty much going off the front. We had a sort of solid group of five riders who looked like the strongest, who were responding to every move. Mati van der Poel, Tere Pogacar, Wout van Aert, Alberto Bettiol, and Mads Payson. They were probably by far the strongest riders on the day. Later into the race, that group did sort of distill down to itself uh, with sort of the added drips and drabs of the breakaway from Matt Dinham and Kevin Vermark later on. Alberto Bettio rolled the dice with a pretty convincing attack at one point, gaining about 30 seconds. He stayed up, up in front for about two laps of the course, but he was brought back in and the group behind were sort of fighting and fighting. At this point, we had about two laps to go with about 20 kilometers left. We're going through the Great George Street climb in the West End of Glasgow, and it was Matty van der Poel of the Netherlands who launched one of his biblical attacks to drop everybody else. And we all know what happens when van der Poel attacks like this, nobody can chase. And essentially, that five-second gap he had turned into 30, 40 seconds very quickly. However, at about 16k to go, as he makes his way through the Merchant City towards the final climb of the lap, he comes down in a crash, sort of scrapes up the right side of his body and breaks his shoe buckles in the process. At which point we thought, oh my god, what's happening? Ah, it's fine. Mati van der Poel got back up and he still had about 30 seconds. And from that point onwards, he only extended his gap to around about one and a half minutes. Nobody really coming close behind. The chase wasn't very convincing. They were attacking each other, but not really to any avail, as Wout van Aert, Mers Payson, and Tade Pogacar fought for the silver medal. Final time up Montreux Street for the battle for the silver medal, it looked like Wout van Aert put himself in pole position as he revved away from the others uh, with a small gap. But they were all chasing in the wake of Mathieu van der Poel, who took his first ever men's senior elite road world championship title 10 years after he took his first road world championship title in the junior category in Italy. Wild Van Aert, as I mentioned, continued his stride for the silver medal and then the bronze medal, went to Tade Pogacar, who managed to beat Maz Payson in a little dash to the line. We don't really know what happened with fifth place, but Stefan Kuhn came fifth, great ride by him, and Alberto Bettiol came home in tenth, despite looking really strong and putting in that early dig on the day. So, all in all, Matthew van der Poel, the Galactico he is, continues his barnstorming year. He adds the rainbow jersey to his rainbow jersey in cyclocross, as well as Paris-Roubaix, Milan-San Remo, 
And now this. I mean, it is fantastic. Come rain or shine, he owns the rainbow jersey. Yeah, first Dutch winner since Jop Sudermelk almost 40 years ago, as we've heard so many times. But uh, yeah, Ewan, uh, Macho Vanapol, we're both huge fans. He's such a legend, living legend of the sport, as you said. The pathos of him with his granddad, his dad. And uh, yeah, this is just remarkable. He didn't have the strongest team. But where does this victory kind of rank for him, even within the season? I mean, Milan, San Remo, Paris Bay World Championships, they're all pretty big. Like, what a what a terrible dilemma to be in. Which which one of my amazing victories is the best? I would say this one, in, in terms of the prestige, like, riders might only win this race once in their career. And also, like, with the story of him crashing as well, and then finding back from that, I think was quite impressive. And the fact that Belgium were just so impressed, like, their startless was so strong, and he managed to beat Belgium, I think that's probably a big morale boost. Uh, Roubaix, I think, I mean, it's cloud a little bit, because when he made his attack, wow, punctured, so, like, people will throw that one up in the air, but San Remo was also such a, like, a pain-by-numbers, emphatic Vanderpool victory. It, it felt really, like, magical. But I think this one is definitely sort of the top of it because he might win San Remo again next year, for instance, or in, like, two years' time, where this one is, like, he kind of needed this, you know? And he's going to he's gonna wear the rainbow jersey for a year now because of it. Like, you don't get a Paris Bay jersey. They should do that, though. Cobblestone jersey. Exactly. That will be cool. But I mean, yeah, he I, like you say, he's gonna love the fact that his frenemy, whatever they are, we don't know if they're friends. I think they must be friends. They've seen each other so many times. But there was uh, like well, a pull quote before that, like they yeah. said they're, they're not friends. <laughs> but read into that all you will. But yeah, what went wrong for Belgium? As you said, they had the strongest team, Remco Venepol and Wout Van Aert, and then are they gonna be satisfied with second? They're gonna have to be. But um, I mean, Burn. they wrote they wrote the 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 race. They wrote it well. I would say I think Belgium did a good job. I don't think Avonpool had the legs on the day. Surprising given how good he's been looking recently at San Sebastian at the Belgian Championships and just his one day race record over the past like year has been exceptional. And today it just like came crumbling down. He was at the back of the group for most of like the first couple laps in Glasgow, and then he went for an attack with a hundred k to go. And then he they tried to attack again, and he was like very insistent on attacking, and we didn't quite know where that was going. I think Sturven rode a good race, but they got caught out when that sort of the Betiel move went off, and we had that group of like Galacticos go off the front. Then, I mean, wow, it was isolated, so he didn't really have any teammates to lean on. So it's just really down to his own legs. And as I've said so many times, put Wout van Aert and Mathieu van der Poel in this kind of situation, Mathieu is going to win. It's another instance where Mathieu comes on top of Wout van Aert at, at another big level race. This has happened for the past, like, maybe three seasons, with the exception of Idri Halebaker. This year, it really has been Mathieu van der Poel who rises to the occasion on these big level, sort of big, big dog races. So for, for Belgium, I don't really know what else they could have done. Yeah, they rode a good race. It's just down down to those riders, especially in that situation where you only got Pogacar alone, Payerson alone, Van der Poel alone, Betiel alone, and Van Aert on his own. Does this kind of, well, where you saw Remco Venable win San Sebastian not that long ago, does this kind of show that there wasn't that top-tier riders like we had here? And okay, the race was completely crazy as well for the most part. Yeah, and I mean, people always say like Remco... Remco is a good rider, but we haven't seen him like 
beat Van der Poel, Van Aert, and um, and Pogacar, and he didn't do that today, and he wasn't anywhere near that. And maybe that just sort of plays into the hands of the people who who, who run with that kind of narrative. But I don't know. I just feel like we didn't see the best of Remco, even like when he did those like attacks where usually he'd be able to get away. He just couldn't get away, and he was getting marked by other people. Payson was really good at responding to them. Pogacar closed the gap as well a couple times. It makes me worried about the Vuelta, where he's going to be when he lines up with uh, with Vingo in particular. Because Vingo, we we know he's he's like Pogaccio almost. He like sticks to him like glue. Maybe not in a one day race, certainly, but in a stage race. So it's going to be really interesting. But I wasn't exactly wowed by Remco Evenepoel today. But uh, I mean, the Danish team, fourth place with Mass Pilsen, they they've had a really good string of results since Mass Pilsen's victory in 2019. Even before, I would say they were very active early on. Skillmore, so of course, he was very animated, like right of the day in the first hundred kilometers, you would say almost. But so coming to uh, mechanical, was this the right tactic? We saw when we were on the stream that a lot of people were saying that this was to try and mess up the strategy of Belgium to just dominate everything because Denmark arguably had the second strongest team. Yeah, I think they definitely did have the second strongest team and Skelmoza rode a great race. Uh, so on Crownison as well, proving that I think since he made that move to Alberson de Koenig is becoming a really, really like vital teammate, not quite the animator that he used to be, but he's a really, really solid teammate at uh, the shaking up a race. And we saw that again here t- t- today. And I think Denmark did a good job. They maybe came to the front too early. They made this race really tough in the beginning, but they made it really tough. And they- maybe that was sort of a-, a reason why the race got filtered down so quickly so that you had the likes of Wout van Aert and Matty van der Poel on their own at that point. I'm surprised that like he was sort of confident enough to want to- that kind of situation where it wound down to just him against Wout and Mathieu, given that like, They've got bigger kicks, like on these uphill sections. And I was kind of believing the pace. And if he stuck with them, could probably beat them in the sprint. But Denmark, I don't think can be too disappointed. A fourth place is still still really strong. Uh, they keep up the good, good record they've had in the World Championships. Maybe in hindsight, what, was there too much climbing on this roof for, for Payson? Maybe. But they can't be too, too like down about it. Yeah, I think he did pretty well, to be honest. Yeah, I, I I honestly thought really he would well. be dropped sooner. But uh, yeah, I mean, there were a number of surprises in that top 10. And Matt Dingham, that, yeah, Dingham, sorry. Yeah, quite surprising. Yeah, I'm sure Matt Dingham's, uh, like, his pro-cycling stats profile is probably, like, trending as we speak. But, uh, yeah, I mean, seventh place in the World Championships, that's, like, a huge result for him. No professional victories. He just came out of the Tour de France, which was his first Grand Tour, and he's probably just got those like diamond legs. Discovering after like discovering that race, twenty three years of age as well. I'm excited to see what the future brings for him. He's only just made the move up to the World Tour level this year, so yeah, definitely like an announcement because he was in that early breakaway, and like we thought, ah, it's nothing. Didn't did nothing in the Tour de France, but in the end, it's like a mega ride i don't quite know how much he like invested later on into like the chase and so forth but still i mean a top 10 is, is fantastic and also just looking at the top 10 stefan kung finishing fifth beating Sturvin in a sprint what happened there to make that result like take place it was another really good ride from him yeah it was sad to see navaya's crash though because uh we kind of both were yeah. thinking that hype to get an ecuadorian up there but 
Yeah, I mean, that is basically it for World Championships Recap Race Analysis here on the Second Dane Extra channel. Make sure to check out the Second Dane podcast. And of course, we've got plenty of stuff going on on the Second Dane channel and the Echelon Cycling Podcast as well. So check all that out as well. It'll be in the link down below. But with that, thank you very much for watching. Subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment down below what you thought of Match of Van Paul's victory. And we will see you around.